This episode is brought to you by SoftLayer, an IBM company. If you're an entrepreneur, SoftLayer has created an incredible program just for you. It's called Catalyst. Catalyst offers amazing perks for you and your company, including credits to use their servers, mentorship, connections, and marketing support. To find out more, visit softlayer.com slash catalyst. Again, that's softlayer.com slash catalyst to find out more about this amazing program. There's a lot of hype around startups and their founders, but the people behind the founder, their team, those people rarely get the glory. It goes unsaid that no team is great without a strong leader, but today we'd like to focus on the team member. If you're thinking about joining a startup or are a team member at a startup, this episode is for you. We discuss the common issues most startup team members face. We also sat down with Travify CEO David Chait to talk about his company, his experience as a McKinsey consultant, and the benefits of starting a company outside a major startup hub. All this and more on this episode of Inside Outside. Running a startup is hard. Running one outside the valley is even harder. Inside Outside is a podcast for inside access to startups outside the valley. Each week, we'll bring you real insights, raw stories, and tactical advice from founders and startup teams around the country. Let's get started. Hey, everybody, and welcome to this episode of Inside Outside. You're looking to startups outside Silicon Valley. My name's Matt Boyd. I'm Brian Ardinger. I'm Paul Jarrett. How's it going this week? Awesome. Big week. Fantastic. Yeah. So I um, played a wicked game of Petrus last night. A what? Wicked game of Petrus. What is that? I feel like it's. I'm setting up a rim shot. <laughs> exactly. Done and done. Um, no, nah, I was actually on Reddit, and it was on the the front page of Reddit, and I just... I. I started laughing pretty hard because it was totally me and it actually happened. So it got cold outside and the dogs make their way into the bed when it gets cold at night. And Petrus is when you're in bed and you're shifting like Tetris. Right? <laughs> and Blocks. The pets. Exactly. Exactly. My dogs choose to be the long, what is it? Four blocks across <laughs> and they go down the chute horizontally. Yeah. Little bastards. <laughs> Yeah, so that was fun, and, and they get cold and they're Petrus. Warm. Petrus. Never heard of that. Yeah. What do you call yeah. it once your three-year-old son? Uh, <laughs> Same thing? <laughs> I don't know. Toddler? Tod- toddlerus. I don't you know. You just call it Tetris. <laughs> Maybe. You call it, get the hell out of my bed, Junior. Exactly. <laughs> Back to bed. So this week we are discussing... Um, employees of all types at startups. So you're thinking about, uh, you know, joining a startup or you already work at a startup. Uh, what are some concerns and some things that you should be thinking about? I was, uh, um, I feel like I kind of unknowingly started as, or uh, I'm sorry, unknowingly moved or went to a startup. Um, there's a company called complete nutrition. They had a bunch of really great traction, um, they were just starting to open up a bunch of stores, really kind of right at the beginning of the hockey stick. I kind of jumped on. Um, I didn't really know how to ask um, or kind of understand the life cycles of companies because before that point, I had done nothing but corporate. Um, Matt has a selfie stick out. <laughs> Take one right now. Um, because before that time, all I knew was like corporate America and like these these big, huge companies. Um, and when I got to Complete Nutrition, um, first of all, I'm like so thankful for the experience. But man, talk about just getting like knocked across the 
the head with a, you know, with a barbell, like just not understanding what's going on. And there's money being made so fast and it. And it's not about efficient and, you know, cutting costs. It's, it's yeah. about, no, we're making money, go hire people, go get mm-hmm. the, it's about speed at that point. And, um, there was a lot of things that I kind of wish that I knew going into that, but I will say that out of all the places that I had worked previous, which were probably quite a few, probably about five places previous to that, it was the most, hands down, the most that I ever learned at any point in my career. Really? Was was that that time frame working no there. I, I mean, I think I, when I talk to university students and that, I, I oftentimes tell them that if you really want to be a founder, go work for a startup first. Um, you learn so much from other people. <laughs> mm. And immersing yourself into that particular type of ecosystem is totally different when you're starting out. Um, if you go work for a corporation, I think you learn could can learn a lot of bad habits. Um, you know, you have a lot more resources, you focus on different things in a corporation than you would in a startup. And I think, uh, if you want to be a founder, go work for a startup first and see what it's like. Um, and, and that can go a long way to helping you I'll never figure f- some things out. I'll never forget my first, uh, experience. So, uh, I can't remember how old I was, probably 24. Um, I had 800 bucks in the bank. <laughs> uh, I, I just, and I may have told the story before. I Hashtag don't know. winning. Sounds like 200 more than I had at that time. <laughs> <laughs> so I total literally to my name entirely. I had $800. Yeah. yeah. Um, I packed my truck with everything that I owned, uh, including a mattress because I was fully planning on sleeping in the back of my truck. Um, and, when I went out to the Valley, my first, the first company that I worked at was a startup and, t- uh, you know, eight people. Um, and I slept on the couch yeah. for a month and a half, <laughs> yep. uh, until I could afford to get an apartment. Cause I couldn't, aff- with 800 yep. bucks, like you're not going to yep. get anywhere. Um, but I remember, uh, one of the things that just blew my mind was, um, working on product with people. Yep. Like I think startups like all together think about product completely differently than large companies. Oh yeah. And um just being in those like early brainstorm sessions with with uh with my peers with like the eight people that were working at this company um I think set a precedent for my entire yeah his future is a I joke with our employees and I say like we've we've ruined it for you for any corporate <laughs> job because and, and some of them that have worked somewhere previous or um, we've actually encouraged people like they say, you know, like, hey, I'm going to go check out this, you know, ad agency or whatever it is. Right. Yeah, go for it. Like, let, let us know what you think. <laughs> and, you know, we'll have an idea first thing in the morning and, and by noon it's like getting ready for deployment. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and people are shocked when they learn that, you know, there's eight people that have to approve it at a company then has to go somewhere else for approvals and then has to get checked by legal. And then, you know, goes like 20 th- and by the time you get it done, it's three months to get a few things changed on, yeah. you know, whatever it is. Yeah. And, um, I think that's like the key difference is, you know, that waiting around time or that, you know, just the levels of bureaucracy, um, yeah. they're just absolutely gone. And, and that's also the really scary thing at working at a startup, right? Yeah. I mean, I think the primary differences are speed and ambiguity <laughs> and having to le- learn to do both of those, being able to work fast uh, and effectively, and then also work in a situation that's constantly 
evolving or changing and that mm-hmm. will, your job is probably going to be different the next day. I mean, the, the idea of, uh, I mean, just the fact that you're in a startup with less people, yeah. you have more hats to wear. So what do you guys think are some of the best things that you can do as a um, um, part of a startup team? I hate to use the word employee because it's like, so like employees, those are for companies, like big corporations, but yeah. I'll, I'll use it for this um, podcast. But what are some of the things that startup employees can do to, um, you know, what are, what are some good things and what are some pitfalls that you've seen? Well, I think, um, I think whenever you get hired on at a company, uh, or if you're thinking about start, uh, you know, starting to work at a company, um, the first day or the first, maybe the first week or so, like you should really spend your time getting to know what everybody else does. Yeah. So spend a significant amount of time just like questioning, like, what do you do? What, what are you doing here? How can what I help is it you? you do? Because well, I found a lot of times startups, they don't have the traditional HR you know, yeah. uh, orientation. <laughs> yeah. It's basically, oh, you're now an employee here. Go do it. I, figure I, it out. I remember Eric. You don't get a manual. Eric told yep. me, uh, my best friend Eric said, um, he went, he went to work at a company called Transpera in, in San Francisco. And he said that I'll never forget this. Uh, he said, and this is before I, he, he was out there like two weeks before I was. And so I was like asking him like, what, what's going on? <laughs> what was happening? How did you do this? And he said that the first day at his company, they gave him a laptop and they said, there's your desk. Oh yeah. And then that's all they said. <laughs> yeah. And, and that I was like, wait, Wait, so they didn't tell you. You, you want to hear what we used to do? <laughs> I still wish we did this. We would point at the box that contains the laptop and we would point at the box <laughs> that contains the Ikea desk and the Ikea chair. And you have to put it together. And we'd say, there's your stuff. And people would just look at you like you're crazy. And and then we like we purposefully did that. Yeah, I, I'm joking, but serious. I like want to take apart desks now so if somebody <laughs> starts they have to like redo them mm-hmm. um but the whole point is like setting the precedence of like oh no you have to figure it out yourself and if there's no you know if i remember sometime this guy yeah this guy and he was like this didn't even come with instructions i was like open your computer up and google it yeah. and it was just like this like what <laughs> <laughs> it's like oh no this is this is this is if you if this doesn't excite you it's probably not for you let's yeah. just speed up the process yeah, put together, I mean, welcome to Blue Box. <laughs> put together your chair. And but, your you know that desk. I think that that's important because a lot of you know, especially coming out of a university or coming out of uh, any any environment that's that's either corporate or whatever. If you're transitioning to a startup, um, you've at some point in your career you've probably been hand handheld a little bit. Everybody has, right? Oh god, yeah. Um, Thank you, university. <laughs> so the question is like. How do you how do you get engaged with the company and make sure that you're being used to to your fullest extent and just and not just kind of sitting there waiting for things to happen? And I think a good way to do that is to talk to as many people as you can, understand their jobs so that you can do your job better. Yep. yep. I think another thing that people need to do is is really I think actually there's two really key things that you can because I mean Take it well. I guess if I take a step back, like a lot of times you can't really change personalities, you can't really change strengths. You can kind of hone, you know, and 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 do that. But I think there's two things. One is understand the business inside and out, and and I've seen the best 
people at our company that excel, they start understanding, you know, they have questions about, you know, yeah. what the where's, profit margin is on this. Where's the like, value created? Yeah. And, yeah. and, and I'm talking like the, you know, revenue profit. Well, why are we doing it this way and not this way? And, and I'm talking like, you know, people that have actually took time to read the entire business plans, you can just see that they get and, and they understand decision making better. So I think, as far as the founders will let you dive into the business and truly understand it inside and out and, mm -hmm. and ask questions, I think that's a huge thing that you can do. Um, the second thing is that you need to like understand <clears throat> like it's not about you anymore. Yeah. Like it is not a me culture. And I think um, <laughs> this isn't like a generational thing. I think this is like everybody, but you, you come out of, you know, university system or whatever. And it's like, I need to get my grades in on time. I need to do this for me. I need to get, you know, a scholarship for this. It's me, 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 me. Um, but when you come to the startup, you, you gotta like, and you see people just go through this growth pain, this holy, <laughs> you see people, especially right out of college, go through this growth pain of like, oh man, it's not about just me anymore. And it's not about, um, um, oh, what's, what's the word I'm trying to, it's, like, it's not about me anymore. And kind of like this period of like, oh, shit, work sucks. Like, <laughs> you know, like, like, oh, man, work, like work. Life, life is hard and bills suck. And, you know, people, we always yeah. say like, you just have a lot of life thrown at them. So I think the most, one of the most profound things I ever had anybody say to me was uh, somebody that works at Bulu Box. They said, you know, for, for three years, um, actually said for two years, actually we were, and I know this person won't, we won't figure out who it is, but we were doing kind of an annual review type thing. And um, this person went from kind of, you know, a, a rough review to like just gold stars up and down. And I just said, look, like you need to tell me like what happened because like something transitioned in the last year <laughs> and I'm still trying to like, you know, something really clicked. And, and the person said, you know, for two years, You've been, you know, saying like teamwork, help other people out. Like it's like, you know, power in numbers and, you know, see what you can do for other people and, you know, whatever. And he's like, I finally, after two years, I really stopped thinking about what I could do to help myself here and like figuring out kind of what to your point, Matt, like, um, you know, like learn what other people do. And, and this person said, I started really to like learn what other people are doing and and help them out. And that's like when things really excelled for this person. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Teamwork makes a dream work. Yeah. This episode is brought to you by SoftLayer, an IBM company. Hey, this is Rich Malloy from SoftLayer, an IBM company. We're a big server company. and We have a program for startups called Catalyst. Where we give you credits to use our servers, offer you mentorship and connections. As a startup, it's important to utilize the resources you have at hand. One step in doing that is simply by asking. We sat down with Rich to hear his thoughts on asking as a startup founder. The single best piece of advice that I can give to any startup actually comes from my 95-year-old grandmother, and that is, you never know unless you ask. Ask for that sale. Ask for that introduction. Ask for that discount. Ask for that connection. You need to be out in the community and you need to be out making those asks because you never know if somebody is going to become your customer or if they've got the contact to your next customer or if they have the contact to the VC that you need introductions to. The community wants to help you. Your friends want to help you. Your family wants to help you. Even strangers want to help you. People want to help people. In order to move your business forward, you need to make sure that you're out making asks. And now back to the show. Um, 
so let's let's talk about some some misconceptions or um, just things that that people are questioning because I know a lot of people whenever they think about transitioning into a startup, there's a lot of questions about like security and a lot of questions about like, is this the safe move or, and, and a lot of people's parents think like, you're insane. Yeah. <laughs> you're, you're quitting a job making yeah. this amount of money working for this company who's been around for 80 years and is secure and all this kind of stuff. That's my parents. <laughs> well, I mean, that's, that's <laughs> everybody. <laughs> that is my parents too. Um, but the, the question is like, what can we tell somebody who's thinking about starting, uh, you know, joining a startup as a team member? Uh, I mean, I think the days of your long pension and that are, are probably gone. I mean, just what, a couple weeks ago, ConAgra let go 1,500 people, and that would yep. have been considered coming out of college one of those safe, secure jobs around here. Yeah. Um, and, you know, they moved their headquarters. So, bam, yep. 1,500 jobs right there. Um, so I don't think you can think about it that way. I mean, it, it, there's there's less security in a startup by far. Um, but I think what you have to balance that against is the, the amount of learning and the amount of skill sets that you can gain in the amount of time that you're there that make you more valuable regardless of where you go that next step. So I think from that perspective, you're really investing in your, your own portfolio, your own toolkit that can make you more valuable down the line, regardless if you get let go by a startup or the startup goes to hell or whatever the case may be. Yeah. I, I also think that, you know, you, you might not have as, you know, nice of a retirement plan and, and, you know, coverage and all that stuff, but um, you need to be asking for other things, you know, whether that's, you know, time off or whether that is equity in the company, like there needs to be, um, it's not going to be what people don't understand is, and, and this happens all the time. I get th- these emails or somebody from a corporate job and they have an amazing background and then they contact me for a job and then it's like, well, this isn't as much as I'm, I'm, I'm making like twice that right now. <laughs> I understand that. And you know, then the conversation goes to like benefits and whatever. And, and you're like, Oh no, this is what equity is for equity is to make, you know, and you try to explain it to people and they're like, this is crazy. And, <laughs> and you know, but my response to that is also in that, in that kind of same conversation, like, but do you enjoy going to work every day? And it's like, no, I hate it. I dread it. It's <laughs> terrible. I'm like, well, that's a, that's a big trade off. So, um, there's just, just like anything, there's, there's pros and cons, but I think one thing that anybody that works at a startup will never deny, like how much learning and, and kind of self growth that they went through during their time at a startup. Yeah. I think you, I think you find out what kind of person you are, Absolutely. what, what kind of worker you are. Absolutely. What kind of- I mean, if, you're, if you're listening to this podcast and you're incited about startups and you're in the scene and that, uh, you know, you're probably the folks that aren't going to get along with a startup are probably the folks that would never turn on a podcast like this. They're okay with right. their cubicle job and, and yeah. the optimization of what they're doing. And, I wish and, I was built that way. Yeah. And there's plenty yeah, of people out there that, and, and that's, you know, that's perfectly yeah. fine. Not everybody should be a founder. Not everybody should work for a startup, but um, there's definitely a, a different cultural and um, different mindset from when you work in a startup. Yeah. I think back the corporate kind of my biggest learning was so I came from a decade of marketing and advertising. Um, you learn to get really good at pointing the finger at everybody else. I mean, <laughs> if, you, if you have the word marketing in your title, like you're pretty much defending your like existence <laughs> all the time, especially at a core. I mean, especially if you're like high up on the rank, right? If you're like CMO or VP of marketing or whatever it is, like you are just constantly defending why you exist. 
um, unless you have like really good metrics that you can, you know, that you can live by. But um, the, I think what, what happened for me starting a company, and again, this is 10 years after a corporate life and trying to do that, um, was just that whole like, at corporate, you learn really easily to like point the finger in everybody else's direction and you learn to blame the committee or you, you find outs on everything. Um, you can't do that at a startup. Can't hide. You can't hide. Oh, yeah. You can't hide. And when you start to accept things, and I always say like, you know, I really pointed the finger at everybody else, but then when I started pointing it at myself, um, that was when I think things started going in the right direction. And I think that whole just learning curve at a startup is the most, one of the most valuable, just life lessons, not even just like, you know, corporate work or, or whatever. When you just start to realize like it's on you, like everything is on you. Yeah. And, and a startup will help you figure that out very, very quickly. Yeah. It's very easy to hide, uh, in a, in a large corporate environment for sure. So what can a new startup employee do to hit the ground running and what, or what are some of the things that they can? Well, I like what Matt said about like, um, learning what everybody else mm-hmm. does, um, you know, I threw in like under like really learn the business model inside and out. Um, also, like do stuff for other people, right? Yeah. I, um, I mean, I think that's one of the key things is actually just do stuff, like execute <clears throat> and you know try stuff, experiment. Yeah. Um, you know, go do things that aren't in your job description. Yeah. Because there's always hats that need to be Absolutely. you know filled or whatever, and so the more of those jobs you can take off other people's plates or add value in different ways that maybe you weren't hired to do this, but you've got a skill set that you can yeah. do something. We'll jump in and do it. I think that's why a lot of startups don't like titles fundamentally Yeah, because titles, uh, and everybody has their own view on this and it's not either right or wrong, but I think the reason the push for no titles is that, uh, it loosens you up to do anything that needs to be done. Right. Um, Generally, you're going to probably fall within your skill set. But, you know, if somebody needs help doing something and you can add value to that, then I think that that there's a little bit of freedom and a lot of freedom within a startup to do that type of thing versus, you know, a corporate environment where, you know, it'd be weird if I just went over to (laughs) accounting and said, you should probably do this better. (laughs) <laughs> or, or like I could, I could help you here. That's, like, that's what I didn't do well in the corporate world. <laughs> I would say, wait, where did this? Go? Who? Where? What floor? I'll be right back. And I just like go in there and like, who is this guy? I'm like, no, this is a bad way of doing it. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's but just do it better. Do it the right way. Right. This right. is the way it's been done. What? Huh? <laughs> that was like the the good the pros and the cons of it. Yeah. Um, one thing that I think is a huge um, misperception. And is oh I got Navy call sign signals, um, and this is something I think that we've had to fight. Um, everybody says, "Oh, well, at a startup, you work twenty four seven. You know, you never get a day off, or like whatever." Um, in our case, we happen to have a culture where people just like being in the office. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. we play a lot of board games at night. Like, like we're centrally located, so like our lights are just always on, and you know, trust me. Like I'm in most, your office all the yeah, time. Yeah, most Saturday <laughs> nights at 10 p.m. Like we, there's not customer service going on. Like we're playing like Battlestar Galactica, the board <laughs> game. That's usually what's happening. Um, but I think one mis misperception is like, oh, they're not you know kid friend. Like startups aren't kid friendly. Like isn't time friendly or like whatever. Um, I have to say bullshit <laughs> to all of that. And and here is here is where I think the problem occurs is that 
there hasn't been somebody at that company with children. There hasn't been somebody at that company that, you know, wants to get off at 6 p.m., 5 p.m., whatever time people get off every day. Um, and I think that's the beauty of the startup. And, and, and one thing that, you know, I'm really proud of people that work at Bulu Boxes, you know, they're, they are setting the precedent for those things like vacation days, um, you know, what, whatever is coming up, like people are developing plans for that. And I think that's a huge, again, like just this misperception of <clears throat> startups do things X, Y, Z. Well, the, the reason that it's happening that way is because nobody has came in and said, let's do it this way. And trust me, you know, as, as a founder, I, could, I promise you that if somebody came in to work for a company and said, let's set up vacation this way, let's set up sick days this way or whatever, you would go, hallelujah. Yeah, like go do that. So that's like the beauty is like there's a huge opportunity to lay the groundwork yeah. for all well, that. That's, that's probably a good summary is like the fact, why would you want to work for a startup is the fact that you can have an impact. You can have impact in, in a corporate environment, but typically it's, it's more siloed or more limited. Where in a startup, you can, because of the nature of where you're at in the business, Absolutely. you have an opportunity to have yep. a major impact yep. on, a, on your, your life as well as others around you. Yep. Given that... Um, uh, the cost synergies uh, associated here actually provided essentially an arbitrage opportunity versus being in the coasts. Um, in addition to a number of other factors, it was actually clear cut that this was the right place to double down and build our core team. This is David Chait. He's an amazing founder building Travify in downtown Lincoln, Nebraska. Everyone who knows David knows that he's one of the smartest people around. And when asked for help, he'll always lead you in a great direction. This conversation needed to happen for a long time. David is incredibly smart, tells an amazing story of how he started Travify, and has a wealth of experience we can all learn from. My name is David Chait, and I'm co-founder and CEO of Travify. So, uh, you know, for me, and really what brought me to Travify is... Um, you know, the, the, the phrase and saying uh, necessity is the mother of all invention uh, is really true. And so the, the genesis of the Travify idea really came from experiences in my own life. Um, I was literally planning my best friend's bachelor party. I've always been an avid traveler um, and found that there were issues I was facing, you know, those typical group travel headaches, uh, the threads of emails, you know, we couldn't get our act together. I was always that guy who was stuck with the bill, some friends that wouldn't pay me back. Um, and I honestly was just looking for what are some tools out there that can help um, solve these problems and, you know, realize pretty quickly that there were lots of great single dimensional things, you know, lots of great SMS tools for communication, lots of great one-to-one -one or P2P payments. But if you're solving a coordination uh, you know, problem, you actually need a comprehensive tool. And that's really where the idea of actually Travify from a, from a product standpoint came from. It really came from that personal need. Um, I was at a time in my life where I was looking uh, to, you know, I was very interested in uh, innovation and the entrepreneurial community. And so with the, the marriage of that, you know, really started looking to and building uh, Travify. Um, I, I think obviously for, for, for the IO podcast, um, you know, probably a, a bigger question than where did even the genesis of the Travify idea come from, but how did I end up in Lincoln? You know, I'm, I'm a Jersey boy, uh, grew up in Jersey, uh, went to college, uh, undergrad and grad school in New York City at Columbia and worked in New York outside of a small stint in DC, really have been always in kind of that, you know, New York, uh, Northeast corridor. Um, and so really what brought me here is kind of two things. Um, so number one, um, I had a really, really unique experience, 
um, when I first started business school. Um, I guess taking a spec back, you know, after, after I graduated undergrad, I worked as a consultant for a few years, um, went to grad school. And while I was in grad school, I had a unique opportunity to join the Obama administration, specifically at the Small Business Administration. Uh, spent two years there as senior policy advisor, had an amazing experience. Um, you know, you're talking the heights of the financial crisis. We were putting out fantastic loan guarantee programs, helping small businesses grow, um, helping drive innovation with a variety of, of partnerships, counseling and work we were doing. Um, but one of my real key takeaways from that experience and a lot of the travel we were doing across the country was um, what honestly was a myopic view that I had that everything was New York. Um, there's an awesome world out there of really great ecosystems where you've got killer talent, you've got amazing support, um, and you have advantages um, that you don't necessarily have on the coasts. Things like cost synergies, um, things like the energy that comes with being at that young nascent stage. You know, the, the list can really go on. Um, that I recognized when I was first starting to build Travify, that some of those things were both exciting, but also represented better opportunities for us. Um, so when I was at that point and stage where I said, okay, let's test this out. Let's see if this has wheels and let me find that all important co-founder, um, really the technical side of the team. Um, I wasn't leveraging my network to find uh, the buddy in New York City. I was leveraging my network to find someone in some of these great ecosystems that I had exposure to. Um, and through a, a friend who actually was helping me out with Travify at the time who grew up out here, um, he introduced me to Chris, who's my co-founder, um, who was at Huddle at the time. And really, the rest is all history. Um, we were building. Uh, product got legs. We got a wonderful innovation grant from the state. Um, and my wife and I uh, made the move uh, following graduation when we both finished up grad school. Just for those of, uh, listeners who don't know, um, give us like a quick pitch. What is, what is Travify? Travify is the easiest online and mobile group travel planner. Uh, we give tools, uh, groups tools that help them collaborate on trip details, build rich shared itineraries, and track and collect shared expenses. Uh, free for users at Travify.com or on our apps. But we also actually license our software to travel professionals and brands to give them tools to actually drive group engagement. I want to I want to dig into a little bit of. Uh, you mentioned that you moved from New York uh, to Lincoln. Um, take me through like the, the thinking that, that kind of drove that decision. And then like, what was What was the emotional toll that that took? And like, how did you, you know, all that, all that stuff, there's probably so many details within there. I, I, I want to hear some of that stuff. Yeah. So it's, it was a huge decision and, and a big change. Um, obviously, um, the thing that's probably the most interesting, cause there's kind of two sides of it is the decision itself was pretty easy and very unemotional, but obviously there was a big change and, and I say it was easy and unemotional. Um, when you jump into building a, a company, when you jump into building a startup or whatever that thing might be, um, you're all in. And so uh, for me and, and, and my wife, who's, who's the most supportive person in the world, it was if we are all in on Travify, we will always do what we think is best for the company. Um, and sets us up best for success. And um, there are lots of, uh, and, and I will say that New York is a great place. Um, Lincoln's a great place. So no particular geography, I think, is the end-all, be-all always. I think it's circumstantial to a company in needs. Um, but where we were, um, 
Lincoln was by far and away the best opportunity for the company, given that our, our the type of product that we serve and our partnerships are geographically dispersed throughout the country. So there was no killer geography that said we got to be in Seattle or Austin or or whatever that might be. Um, given that um, uh, the cost synergies uh, associated here actually provided essentially an arbitrage opportunity versus being in the coasts. Um, in addition to a number of other factors, it was actually clear cut that this was the right place to double down and build our core team. Mm-hmm. So the decision was unemotional and easy. It was, if we're doing this, let's let's do it. Um, but obviously there, there's the effects of, yeah, I mean, you're, you're, you're moving to a new geography that you haven't um, lived in. Uh, my wife literally moved here sight unseen. Um, so it's, you know, it, it's, a, it's a big, yeah, uh, Amanda is the best. Um, and so, yeah, so obviously it was, it was a big change in terms of, uh, of, of those types of things. But um, like many of the decisions you all make, you know, when you're building a company from a lifestyle perspective, it's um, if you're all in, you're all in. Yeah. So uh, you mentioned um, travel. And, and so uh, did you have an underlying passion for travel before, before starting the company? I mean, you probably travel a lot and, and you mentioned that, that there were some of those struggles, but... What, what kind of drives the, the day-to-day, like, are you, are you super passionate about travel generally? Yeah, so the, so the, the two things that I think really drive my, my, my passion for travifying what we do are, are I, I'd say, kind of two areas. One is actually travel. I love to travel um, from, from the, the standpoint of the end user, whether we distribute the, the product directly to consumers or from a B2B to C through business angle. Um, I've always loved traveling. Um, so for me, that vacation, that hitting the road, that trip with friends or even independent um, has really always been something that that's where I've chosen my dollars to go. Um, and so for me, I love the space and I love making that simple. Um, I also, you know, from a business standpoint, I've always been in roles where I've been, you know, the four day a week consultant on the road or when I was with the SBA, lots of travel. So it's really been a part of my life. Um, the second side of thing is is really at our core, we build collaboration software. Mm-hmm. We build tools that solve all the headaches of travel. And I myself am your very stereotypical type A person. I've got a list that I'm always checking things off. I, you know, I make an Excel spreadsheet for everything. So also for me, chaos is chaos. Mm-hmm. I love order. Mm-hmm. Um, and so really bringing those two things together and just what literally was a problem I saw in my own life, um, it as crazy as it sounds, those two things just, I love. And I love building, I love solving, I love giving delightful tools to people that say, hey, bring order and delight um, to your travel planning process. Regarding the type A personality, um, how important is, uh, is that to the founder or how have you, how have you found that particularly useful? Um, and are there other types of personalities that thrive in different ways within a, within a startup? Like, Give us kind of an idea of... Um, the different types of personalities that you've seen and that kind of stuff. Yeah, well, I would say that um, as with everything, I, I don't think anything in life is necessarily binary. There's never a right or a wrong. So I don't think being a type A personality is necessarily an asset. I also don't think it's necessarily a net negative. I think as with everything, you need a balance. And so um, I'm a big, uh, personally, I'm a big believer in, in, in founding teams. I think that um, a team can really help folks um, build off of each other, learn from each other, and most importantly, complement each other. Um, so for me, I think that the, the kind of type A personality um, that I have is very helpful 
from from a team standpoint in terms of um, structure, thought. Um, you know, we do a lot of strategic planning, things like that. But I think there needs to be a balance. I think you also need chaos, and so you want you want team members and you want founders and you want people that are also more about let's the wacky ideas and the and you know all the different things that can really help drive and balance so um i think no matter who or what you are you are awesome you could be that best employee partner founder whatever all of these are very vital roles but look for people that compliment you i want to shift gears a little bit and talk about kind of uh, your hiring process especially being in a, a smaller startup ecosystem and the access to talent um do you, do you guys hire remotely or what's your take on that? And then like, um, how do you, how do you wrangle talent within it, within an ecosystem like this? Or do you look elsewhere? Um, so really, really, I think good and important questions and lots of different kind of layered answers there. So at the, the top level, uh, we do and would hire remotely. Um, we have not yet. But I will say that we've interviewed and, and given serious consideration to many a candidate who's not directly located here. Um, I think a lot of the tools that you have in um, uh, that exist today, some of which you actually created, um, uh, really help kind of bridge that gap. Um, and so for us, um, that's not necessarily a sticking point. The most important thing always is the right person, the right talent, um, the person that actually um, can obviously get you to that next level. Um, you know, you're always looking for one plus one equals three if you can when you bring on uh, new employees. So, so, so that's something that we're always willing to and looking for. We've actually had fantastic success um, in the local community, um, Lincoln, Omaha. Um, so we have, we have a satellite space up in Omaha and we have our Lincoln office. We don't really differentiate between the two. Um, I, you know, I, I, I know that, you know, there's lots of different thoughts. I think we're one big community and I love it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we have found amazing talent in uh, the Lincoln Omaha uh, area. And, um, you know, in, in a great way, we've not reached a point where we've said, ah, we need to look elsewhere. Um, we've just had fantastic luck and um, bringing on just amazing people. If you started over, what would you do differently? Everything. Um, yeah, hindsight's twenty twenty. Um, and so, uh, you know, we have built fantastic tools. We've got amazing customers. We've got an amazing team. Um, but it's a journey. Um, and in a good way, you learn along the way. And, you know, everything is five steps forward, two steps back. And that's great. Um, but if we had the, <laughs> the knowledge, uh, uh, you know, two years ago of what we knew now, well, we could do everything in half the time. Um, but I also think that those, you never would have gotten those lessons. So, um, I guess my answer would actually be everything and nothing. What books did you read starting a company? Uh, you know, uh, everybody's on the lean startup and that kind of stuff. Did you have any specific books or um, random stuff that you read that kind of maybe inspired you that you could pass on to our listeners? Not really, to be honest. Um, so, uh, you know, we definitely have gone through lots of, you know, great course materials and books and, you know, everything from, from Lean Startup to Founder's Dilemmas and things, you know, definitely reference a lot of these things. Um, but I wouldn't say, and, and this is not a commentary on any of these books, I think a lot of these things are great resources. Um, I think where our greatest lessons have come from, even if it is employing some of these frameworks, has really been uh, from leveraging mentors and advice on here's the problem we're thinking about as a team really putting our our heads together. Um, and frankly, uh, I think that uh, some of the best things you can do actually um, in, in your in your spare reading time is 
find the things outside of work that you're passionate about and read that read that fiction book, read that, you know, bio that you've been thinking of reading, watch that TV show, um, try to build in a sense of some balance early on. Yeah. So you were, you were a McKinsey consultant. Um, tell us about kind of, um, the way that corporations work, uh, and the way that people work within them. And then tell us kind of a balance between how startups work and, and the differences. So I'm actually going to argue with the premise of the question. Okay. Um, I, I think that we really often put a, put a divide, in, and, and for many ways I think it makes sense because we, we, we create divides to try to learn from each other. And I think we very often put these divides in terms of age of a company or size. You know, What's the difference between corporate America, startup uh, America? Um, and I think one of the unique uh, vantage points that I've had given in the early part of my career, both as a consultant, where both, you know, obviously I got to know the McKinsey structure, but dozens of clients over the years where I was spending months on end, you know, on site and clients, you know, cross industries or at the SBA. And we were working with lots of different companies, organizations and things. I actually do not think that the biggest divide has anything to do with an industry has anything to do with the size of a company, has anything to do with the age of a company. Wow. Um, the biggest thing comes from really the, the corporate culture, which can be driven whether it's top down or, or bottoms up, it can really come both ways. And that's the biggest thing. I have seen some of the most innovative cultures at some of the largest, oldest companies you've seen where your management is actually driving people to think outside the box, spend time on outside projects, um, not worry about things like FaceTime, empowering younger people. If you are the person that built the model, you are the person that's sitting at this big board meeting talking about it, not the partner. I've seen some startups that have the most bureaucratic hierarchies that you can imagine. I'm the CEO. I'm the one talking. Mm. It's amazing. And, and, and it's not good or bad. Different things work in different situations, but um, I... I think it really is. It, could, it sh- shouldn't be divided by those things. I think it really comes from the team and the culture that's engendered. Yeah. A lot of times, so you, you see corporations kind of get get pinned as as having this kind of you know heavily bureaucratic culture and that kind of thing. For sure. Like how how can how can a corporation kind of step outside of that and say, um, this is not us. Like we want we want to be um, innovative. We we want to kind of spur on innovation within our company. Yeah, I mean, I think you've seen lots of great examples on how um, companies can do that, and I, and I think it's I think it's a big fight that you do as an as a as a company because when you do get larger, you do have some bureaucratic institutions or things that are put in place. There's levels of oversight. There's levels of whether it's because you're public and there's financial oversight, whatever it might be. Um, I think you can go around that in many ways, and I think um, the best way to do it, frankly. Um, as with anything, is to start off bite size. If you want to drive innovation um, and really a, a climate of free thinking, um, say, okay, well, we know what our core duties are, and we can't deviate from these things. But you can carve out things. Whether you're doing, uh, you, you know, the the Google ask used to be, you know, twenty percent of your time think outside here. Um, whether it's actually creating just arms of the company, that's all they do, and people can flow through and think of these things. Whether it's interacting outside of the community, you know, as we heard when you interviewed uh, the Noble team, mm-hmm. 
you know, uh, Brian put out really basically an RFP to the innovation community of let's start working with you on solving some of our problems, getting outside the box. Um, I think there's lots of ways you can do it. Um, I, and I think that companies shouldn't feel bogged down by that. And I think you see some great examples of companies, even our own local community, uh, Nelnet and others that have really done a great job of saying, you know, we're going to innovate and we're going to keep innovating. So if I had to take your entire startup journey um, and puzzle it into kind of one, one summary and give it to future generations, what would that be? Don't overthink it and just go for it. Um, yeah, I mean, if, if you think about, um, you know, all the different things that we've done in building Travify, you know, we've had a great journey. We're so excited about where we are and lots of different, you know, you know, paces along the way, you know, people might say, oh, you're going to move, you know, this could be a big move for you. That might not, you know, that might be thing or, you know, uh, Chris with multiple kids, you know, saying, oh, you're going to leave your, your, you know, really great corporate job and you're going to jump into this. And I think that, you know, you obviously want to be smart about these things. So we, you know, we're very metric driven. So, you know, obviously there's, there's good inputs that go into decisions, but I think at a certain point, you've got to just keep taking leaps of faith. And lastly, uh, how can our audience help you? Feedback. We love feedback. Uh, please go to Travify.com. Uh, please use our software. You, you know, again, it's it's free to use. You only pay if you buy things like a hotel or thing. But even if you just use it to, you know, coordinate with friends, plan a trip, etc. Um, we're always looking for ways to improve. So any any constructive feedback on ways we can do that is the most helpful thing always. Well, that's it for this episode. Special thanks to David Che for joining us this week. Let him know how much you loved his interview on Twitter. And if you have a question for us, you can reach out on Twitter as well, at the IO Podcast. Also, if you have 30 seconds to spare, we'd love for you to leave a review on our iTunes page. And while you're there, feel free to subscribe as well. Until next time, go build something big.